Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today, I'm going to be sharing the audio from a podcast with Preston Andrini from Red Engine Brewing. Preston has started his own podcast called Built and Brewed, and I'll link that in the show notes so you can check it out. Preston was also a client of mine, and we worked together to build his startup brewery, Financial Proforma. So Preston shares his experience of us working together and all the lessons he's learned along the way to starting his own brewery. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Preston Andrini from Red Engine Brewing and Built and Brewed Podcast. All right, welcome to episode three of Built and Brewed. Our guest today is Carrie Shumway. Carrie's been an instrumental piece of um, Red Engine Brewing Company's early on development. Carrie's a CPA, a CFO at Wormtown Brewery in Massachusetts. He's the owner of Beer Business Finance and craftbrewingfinancialtraining.com. Carrie, welcome to the show. It's good to see you again. Preston, great to see you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm super excited to talk to Carrie today. Um, we've been, I've had a relationship probably with you for about like two years or so. Mm-hmm. And Carrie was one of the first people that, um, one of the first professional folks that I reached out to in my journey of developing a beer brewery uh, pro forma. And so today we're going to talk to Carrie about where people in that position can start, what type of resources are available for them. Um, we're going to walk through our business plan and the topics that are covered that are in it and how we proved whether this was a good idea or not. And then uh, who's going to want to see it and where, where are some places that you can get help um, either from Carrie or, or anyone else or any other places in the industry. So Carrie, let's, let's uh, knock it off here. Like the first part is where can somebody start? Yeah. Starting is it's, I see people start in different places. Usually folks will start with what they know. They'll start with what they understand. And that might mean a home brewer that's come up with a couple of recipes. The friends love it. And they're like, okay, I have the beer. I have the recipes. Other folks might start with, well, I just, you know, I've found a couple of cool locations uh, that I think would be really great, you know, taproom locations. Others might be, you know, I know somebody in the industry and they can get my beer distributed. You know, they, they work for a beer wholesaler, what have you. So the places where people start are often very different. What I recommend for people when they're starting is, you know, kind of beginning with the end in mind. You know, what, do you, what is it that you're trying to create? What does success look like? Um, and yeah, it's hard to really know everything all at once. Um, but really, this would be. I recommend folks start with kind of just a written narrative and it doesn't have to be for starters. It doesn't have to be a formal business plan. You want to get there eventually, but just a written narrative, like write out what are your, what are your goals and objectives? What do you, what's so cool about it? Cause a lot of people think, Oh, it's create a brewery. That's cool. That's awesome. And then you get into it and as you have, and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's a lot, there's a lot of pieces here. This is expensive. Yeah. This is hard and time consuming. 
We so I recommend off of this thing. Yeah, exactly. So I recommend people just you know just sit down, pen and pencil, and write it out and say, "What does success look like for you? What do you want this to be?" Um, and then you can get more formal from that. So I, I tend to say that kind of gets the wheels turning, the juices flowing. It'll help you maybe uh, sort of think through what the steps might be. So in the course of writing out what you want, you might say, oh yeah, I got to figure out how uh, TTB licensing works. So I'm gonna make a little note over here. Oh, I got to think about how, you know, if I want to distribute my beer, how exactly does that work? Where, where do you get, where do you even get kegs for that? And how do you evaluate how many you'll need? So the questions will be endless. Uh, but I think starting points are really begin with the end in mind. What do you, why are you doing this and what do you want to create? Yeah. And that's, uh, we spoke about that last episode, you know, kind of uh, during your business planning process, really identifying like these targets for yourself. And, um, you know, once you have that target identified, backing up the plan and figuring out, you know, how, how what do you need to achieve the target? And that might be a certain, uh, you know, financial number or like equipment or, yeah, it could be all sorts of things. Um, <clears throat> so like for me personally, one of the places that I started looking was uh, on the Brewers Association. Yeah, I read the finance book and Carrie happened to be uh, an author of one of the chapters in the finance book. So that was the first time I had uh, saw your name. And then throughout um, kind of searching on the internet for people that, was, that were in the beer industry that had a finance uh, background, um, I was, I came across uh, the website and quickly became a member and found out how instrumental, like all the spreadsheets and the formulas and all the stuff that's already kind of, you still have to put a lot of time and effort into taking the spreadsheet and developing it, but it gets you, uh, it gets those, you know, it gets your mind working on, well, what information do I need to find out to put into the spreadsheet so that the spreadsheet spits out something that is usable right. or, you know, it's, it's the next step closer to your goal. So, um, so for me personally, one of the, the two, one of the two or the first two or three pages in our pro forma is knowns and assumptions. And those are two pages um, that, or two um, pieces where you, what, what do you know? You know, do you know the cost of rent for your building? Like you said, do you know what um, the equipment costs, what, you know, do you know what you want to pay yourself? Like, what, what do you know? Write that stuff down. And then what are some assumptions? And, you know, you can kind of back me up on this one, but like right away when this, uh, when your pro forma is being developed, you don't, you don't know everything. You don't know what the numbers are going to be. And, um, but you can, you can make some educated guesses and plenty of research online will get you like definitely within the ballpark. And then you'll kind of fine tune what you specifically need for your plan. And then the other, the other page uh, that it was easy to start with for me was sources and uses. So those were sources of money and you get a a dollar figure, you know, say for the sake of it, it's a million bucks and you're going to get all that from your bank account or from the bank. And then the uses are things like that you have to, you know, your build out, your permits, licensing, um, and we'll go through what, what's on uh, mine specifically, but, and then, then they kind of have to add up together. So that's kind of, that's kind of, uh, the beginnings of where we started. And then you have anything to kind of add on to those two things in the beginning? 
I like that approach because very often what I see when folks are starting out is they get overwhelmed really fast because they're like, how could I possibly? And what ends up happening when someone's overwhelmed is they don't finish the process. They just say, you know, whatever it is, is what it's going to be. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. And you can do that, but your success rate kind of goes down quite a bit. So if you start with just a simple, it can be a spreadsheet, it can be a notebook, it can be a Word doc. You know, the, I, I love spreadsheets, so I tend to do that. So I'll have a tab, just as you said, that, that really, let, you know, the, the way to think about it is like when you're starting a business, you're starting a brewery, it's like this giant puzzle. You get this box with a thousand pieces and it's yeah, just it's random. <laughs> and you dump that and you're like, what is all this? Right. And to your earlier question, like, where do I start? You know, you start with the edge pieces when you're doing a puzzle and then what is an edge piece when I'm starting a brewery? Well, these are the edge pieces. You want to start with sources and uses, meaning what am I going to need to buy? How much is it going to cost? And where am I going to get the money for that? And that schedule is, is fairly simple and straightforward, but it's, it provides the discipline so that you can stay on track with how much money you want to spend and where you want to allocate those resources. And then furthermore, in the, sort of knowns and unknowns and assumptions tab, that's a little more free form, right? Because you're gathering information. As you said, you might be, as you guys were, you know, you'd had a couple locations and you're like, well, this is the location, the square footage, and these, this is the cost. This is probably what my lease is going to look like. These are some of the um, additional monthly charges. That we're, so we'll write that down. So that's that. So now that is now a known, if you take that spot, those are known what assumptions might look like and very often are is how much beer am I going to sell? Cause everyone wants to know, well, what's this thing? What could this thing do? <laughs> the only thing I can tell you is I have no idea. You know, really you have yeah, to, no one, no one has any idea. No one has any idea until you open. So we do a spreadsheet. We use key metrics. You know, we'll use, you know, you can use population data. You can use comparables. There's lots of ways to put a good, but at the end of the day, that's an assumption. That's an estimate. And the reason for doing the exercise is to really kind of stress test where you're getting your information and how solid you think it is. And very often you'll come in and like, well, I, I you know, I really have no idea, but these, this is how I built it up. Um, and then you can refine that as you go, but it's really sort of capturing those puzzle pieces and some that you know, and some that you don't and working on those edge pieces. And, and I think sources and uses is a great place to start because it really just provides a structure to what do I need to buy? What's it going to cost? Where am I going to get the money? Even if you just do, if you do nothing else in your planning, I think if you do that, or those two steps, you'll be, you'll be much further ahead than folks that just say, you know, I'll, I'll see where this goes and figure it out as we go along. Yeah. And this was like, um, the, just the financial journey for me, like in general, the, uh, it's a, like, for me, it was like a little addicting. Cause it's like, it is like the puzzle, you know, you see, the picture kind of coming together and these little, little holes that are still left in it. And, um, you know, the further you get in from the edge, the more exciting it gets. And, uh, most likely too, like the better you get at Excel or whatever program that you're using. And then you really start get doing some trick stuff on the computer and it becomes a tool and it really accelerates like, uh, the amount of information you're able to share or pull extract from the plan um, after you get into it. So just to get into a little bit of details on, on our plan, 
Um, so we have a little notes tab, the very first tab, and it says um, knowns and some so things that we knew or or we were going to find out were lease rates, terms, identifying the space. So that might be square footage or certain utility specs or whatever that you that you needed, and then um, equipment. What equipment did we know we were going to buy? And at this point, we kind of had a good idea. Assumptions are things like sales projections and financing rates, because if you haven't formed this plan yet, you definitely have not gotten financed. So those were, we took some general averages, like average interest or um, average sales projections. And these were based on other breweries, like how many barrels a year they were doing. Um, and you can you could make some um, assumptions on that. And then some open questions we had were, uh, what's the budget for our, our project? Uh, cause there's still a build out there's purchasing, there's, um, money that you need to operate like operating capital. So you got to kind of gather, find out what these things are, you know, who's going to, who's going to do the fit up on the space, on the brew house, if any onsite fabrication, um, if you need to upgrade utilities, these are all questions that you need to figure out. What are you, what are going to be your hours? You know, how many people are going to be in the building? Um, you know, how, like there's some restaurant formulas like per, per seat, you know, how many, how many times a chair turns over and you can kind of like start finding out how, how many chairs you have, how many hours you're open, how many people potentially on average, like, you know, will filter through. And then along with that is like your average, your average ring, like what's the average ring going to be per, per person coming in. And then you can, uh, find out, you definitely need to find out what your state taxes are and licensing and sales tax. So those were things that are in our knowns, assumptions and open questions. And then we moved over to um, pro or excuse me, uh, sources and uses. So for us, we had an sources of money. That was my money, our, uh, our investors money, what that number adds up to be, and then what the bank was gonna bring in. And so that number, whatever it equals, all your uses need to add up to that. So uses would be like all the equipment you're buying, kegs, brew house, miscellaneous hoses and fittings of any kind, your tap room build out. Um, if you have a kitchen, your kitchen build out, kitchen equipment, your walk-in draft system, your all your architect, your uh, engineering fees, your legal organizational, like I said before, working capital. So all this stuff will add up and it's got to add up to the same or less than your sources of income. You got anything on that? Anything I missed on that? I think you nailed it. And I, you know, um, you've warmed my heart here, Preston. You're just re kind of re recapping everything. <laughs> the things that we've talked about, it's just, it does, does my heart good, but yeah, I mean, these are, these are fundamentals uh, that are often overlooked. I mean, they're pretty straightforward, but I think you articulated it perfectly. I mean, it's really like, listing out all this stuff, bringing that discipline to it to say, you know, does this really add up? Because that is important to make sure. And if it doesn't add up, that's where prioritization comes in, right? So you'd say, well, my, let's just say to your earlier example, I've got a million dollars of funding and I do my schedule of how I'm going to use it and say it's a million too. I'm like, well, that, that, that's not going to work unless you can raise more money. So then you've got to go through your uses and reprioritize and say, well, we wanted to buy X number of tanks. I guess we're going to have to buy, you know, half one half X number of tanks in order to get this. 
however that may look. Um, but yeah, that that's a good process to go through and just make sure your numbers add up. Right. And for us, one of the things that we discovered going through this process was originally we were going to do like five to seven barrels, food truck outside, right over the bar, we're selling pints and of you, you figure out through the exercise, you're like, well, that kind of doesn't work or, or for, for, for our, um, specific use, you know, when we started getting more of the details, I was like, well, we could probably need to make more beer than that. And it's like, well, how many days are in the week? And I was like, I can't brew eight, eight days a week. And so you're like, okay, well, I need a bigger kettle, you know, uh, you might be, you might double, double, um, brew on a smaller system or buy a bit or go, you know, size up. And so, um, we went from like five to seven over the, over the bar to 15 and, um, like who can help distribute this stuff, nice. you know, like in our, in our plan. And so the spreadsheets were, we were able to, you know, eventually pull that information out of this, out of the, your pro forma. And it made more sense, uh, you know, when you see the graphs and you see the money left over or the money or the money that's absent and you're kind of able to, okay, well, exactly what you said, edit, edit the plan and, um, and move forward. Yeah. So after, think, oh, go ahead. It's a, it's one of the other things I think it's important for people to understand is that it's not like you sit down and you go through each step of the plan. And at the end of the steps, you're done. You know, you're really not, it's sort of a, it's a circular thing. So you'll put together your sources and uses of what you want to buy, where you're going to get the money. And then you'll go through the operating part of your plan. Like, what are you going to sell? What are your margins, et cetera? And you may realize, just as you just said, and hey, this isn't going to work. And you know, I, I was going to buy a seven barrel system. I can't p- pump out enough beer to make my financial performance make sense. I got to relook at this. All right. I need a 15 barrel. So then you come back, you open up the sources and uses, you know, you recalculate, you do your math again. You're like, okay, that, that will work. And then you go back to your sales plan and so forth. And you may need to do that a few different times. Um, and you okay. may need to kind of go back through your expenses. This is not working here. I need more people on the bar and less people or whatever the case may be. Uh, so it really is, um, you know, it's a, that iterative process where you're kind of going through a few times, maybe several, several times more information is going to come in as you're progressing on your journey. Um, more of those assumptions are going to become knowns, for example, and that's going to inform your process. And then you kind of go back, update those numbers, and then you have a, a revised plan going forward. So it, it really is a, I guess, kind of a living document as you, as you work through it. Exactly. So hey, this is a good spot to go through. Um, Cause we're going to kind of progress through my, like what's involved in my plan and then kind of talk about each tab a little bit. Um, but before we do, let's just go over some uh, key terms just in case. So everyone's on the same page. So I'll ask the term and then Carrie, the professional can maybe give the definition um, or the the best definition between the two of us. And, um, and then after we get through a couple of key terms, we'll, we'll rotate down the tabs and uh, of what's in our plan and, uh, so, and a couple of the details. So the first, uh, the first key term is going to be margin. So what, what is a margin? Yeah. So margin, we want to look at the sale price minus the cost of goods sold is going to be our margin. So really what we're looking at is what are we selling the beer for? What did it cost us to make? 
and the difference between that is margin. And it's often expressed in dollars. Uh, and I love to look at it in, expressed in percentage because uh, just it's kind of like financial shorthand. It's a lot easier to say, well, our margins are running about 65% as opposed to, oh, we had margins this month of $6,227. Like, oh, good. Was that, where does that, you know, now you have to compare it to the plan. Do we owe anybody any money? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that's what margin is. You know, pound for pound, it's one of the most important uh, numbers you're going to want to look at on a regular basis. And there are, and as I worked with Carrie, Carrie had like some target margins, you know, like um, maybe for instance, like between um, a distributor and a retailer, they're going to market up 25 to 30%. And so that, that you know, you got to subtract that out of the total bill, bef- you know, all the way back to, you know, if we're, when we get more into pricing or talking about pricing, but there's some target margins for barrel barrelage and 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 uh, retail numbers and such that you want to you can't make the you can't make it much bigger than what the industry averages are so it's got to you know the plan's got to work within kind of these confines sometimes you'll have these brands that um demand a, a high you know like a pliny the elder or so, something in it in its or um on the east coast um like heady topper or something like that. There were some early, or there are some beers that have kind of come through and commanded like big, bigger numbers, but that, that may not be, that may not work for a startup. So moving into the next, uh, Carrie already mentioned it, cost of goods. So can you give us a brief little overview of cost of goods? Probably the most misunderstood metric on your income statement is cost of goods sold. And really all it is, is what does it cost you to make your beer? Um, so as you're looking at, you know, you'll have different styles, maybe you'll have different package configurations, draft, cans, what have you, and they can all have really different cost of goods sold structures, right? The costs just can vary. And we often think, well, it's, you know, it's beer, it costs me the same, and it really doesn't, because if you look at the packaging materials that are in each, maybe this style, you know, takes a lot of very expensive ingredients, and that style doesn't. So cost of goods sold is basically... And we'll refer to this, if you think about it, what it is, it's if you take your recipe and extend out all the costs for everything you're putting in there, hops, malt, you know, yeast, if you're tracking that, et cetera, chemicals and so forth, the packaging, and you list it all out and say, that's going to be your cost of goods sold. So we want to look at it in three components, the direct materials. So those are your raw materials that you put in. You want to look at your direct labor. That's any production um, packaging, anything that's involved in actually making the beer and packaging the beer. And then you want to look at overhead costs. And that gets tricky because you need to allocate um, a percentage of your production space, utilities, lease, uh, repairs and maintenance, et cetera, to the cost of that beer. Because every time you crank out a batch of beer, you're incurring those overhead costs. You, you know, they're just happening. So we need to assign those to each batch. So cost of goods sold, Think about it in those three buckets, direct material, direct labor, overhead, capturing everything it costs to uh, package and produce your beer. Perfect. And then we have um, operating costs. And these are, or um, these might be everything else that wasn't a good in the product. That's a great way of saying it. I I don't think I would, I would add much to that. It's, that's exactly right. If it, if it's, if it's something that your brewery is spending money on, 
and it doesn't directly impact uh, production and packaging, it's an operating expense. Okay. So that for, for us, that's the spreadsheet that has the most lines on it. Yes. Operating cost. <laughs> it's like the most depressing one. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then, then let's, let's do a quick def, simple definition of profit. Mm-hmm. So profit, and this is why I use the word margin. A lot of, a lot of folks will use, and, and I've used it myself as gross profit and margin. Those are interchangeable, but it gets confusing. So what I like to do as I go down the income statement, sales, cost of goods sold, margins, operating expenses, and profit or net profit. Uh, so profit is basically your bottom line. It should be the last line in your income statement. It's going to be the difference between your margin dollars and your operating expense dollars. So a simple example, if you get $100,000 of margin in a given time period, and you get 80,000 of total operating expenses, your net income is gonna be the difference between the two, 20,000, 100 minus 80. So you can think of your net income as the bottom line in your income statement. Perfect. All right, so getting a little more specific into brewing, we have case units. Mm-hmm. What is a case unit or CU? You'll see it a lot referred to as CU. Yeah. It can be called CUs, can be called CEs, case equivalents. Um, essentially what it is, a 24 count, 12 ounce package. And what, what you're looking at is, this is very often the language of the wholesaler. They talk about CEs, CUs in terms of, they're, they're trying to kind of normalize the amount of liquid that's going out. So it's in, a, in a sense, it's 24 units of 12 ounce package beer. Um, and they're just, again, just trying to measure the liquid. So this number's uh, help. Like for me, this number was helpful when I was looking at whole the. I have a tap room sales tap room and sales wholesale, mm-hmm. and the as we the margin or the or the profit and the cost of goods uh, and the operating costs are completely different for those two. It's the same beer, or it could be the same beer, but what what's involved in the details in those two are much different. And when you get to uh, case units, you know, you figure out, okay, well, how many case units do we need to get sold? And then how much, the, you know, all the back end of that. So I, I ran into case units and understanding that uh, when we went uh, on the wholesale, when we started trying to build the wholesale side of the plan. So moving next, we have barrels. I'll handle this one. Okay. <laughs> My little input. So a barrel is 31 gallons or it's two you know, for a visual, it's two full-size kegs or two half-barrel kegs, 15.5 gallons. Um, and and then there's, just to size down, there's also a, a sixth-barrel keg, which has a little over five gallons in it. Um, that might be a common size that, you know, if there's like a, a tap house near you that has like a bunch of uh, beer on tap, they m- might have these smaller uh, kegs. Um, for storage purposes, like in, in their walk-in or in their under cabinet stuff. So that's a, another um, six of those will equal a barrel also. And the next term is EBITDA. EBITDA. Why don't you take that one first? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> a, is it earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization? Again, that's all I, that's all I got. My heart. You did it, man. That's it. You nailed it. So that, that, that number is a little bit more like in your CPA or your, or some, or when you do your taxes, this, this formula is going to kind of come into play a little bit more. It's not necessarily 
um, in the, in the initial stages of your building your, um, pro forma, are you going to be dealing with this term, but kind of like end of the year wrap up stuff? I think, you know, it's, yes, I think that's true. It's probably an, uh, an acronym and a measurement that's more useful for investors and bankers. Um, I often refer to it as a form of modified cash flow because what it's doing is it's taking your earnings. Earnings is another way of saying your net income, which is another way of saying your, your profit. And it's adding back and subtracting certain things to try to show you what your actual cash flow is. Because when we look at the income statement, it's measuring sales and expenses, not necessarily when you get the cash form, but when that sale is registered. So if you're delivering, let's say you're selling to a wholesaler, they're probably not paying you the cash when you make that sale, right? They're giving oh, you, you know, 30 days or exactly. So your income statement says, well, I have a sale, but you don't have the cash. So one of the things that EBITDA can help you do, and not not 100%, you need a cash flow statement for this, but it can turn it into kind of a modified version of cash flow. So earnings before the interest, that's the interest component on your loans, your taxes. Now, these might be your more of your income taxes that you would pay. Depreciation and amortization are what we call like non-cash expenses. So if you buy tanks, you've spent the money or you've borrowed the money or however you got it, and then you're depreciating, you're essentially writing off those assets over a period of time. So you've already, there's a disconnect between the cash and the expense. Uh, so I think EBITDA is helpful for um, looking at sort of a modified version of your earnings and thinking of it kind of like modified cash flow. I think it's an important acronym for people to know and understand, if only to be able to communicate with investors and bankers, because they're going to ask you about it. And you can have a leg up if you know, if you say, yep, we do, we measure our EBITDA and this is what it looks like. They're going to be like, oh, okay. Well, that's a credibility marker too, that you understand what's important to them. So I think it's useful for that purpose. Perfect. So moving through um, our um, pro forma statement, um, we got some key terms out of the way that are going to come up here. Um, we got our, some, our sources and uses, our knowns and assumptions. Our next tab is super easy to get, and it's your loan schedule. Yeah. So if you have your um, sources of money, you know what the number is, you can go online and you can do an amortization um, table. Like, and it, usually when you, it, you just type the number in, you know, 100,000 bucks, you put an interest uh, percentage on it. We used 5%. And then, uh, which was really close to actually what we ended up getting like from the bank. And then- we did a 10 year term. And so right there, it'll spit out a monthly payment for you. And, and then like a year or yearly, it'll break it down over those 10 years every single month and tell you exactly what you owe. And then you can take that number and you can throw it in your, you know, over maybe in your operating costs as, as something that needs to get paid um, towards the end. So loan schedule is super easy. Um, and then you might have, you might have a couple different types of loans depending on how your business is getting structured, but um, you might have an equipment loan, you might have a construction loan, and then you might have like a working capital loan or line of credit, however, however it's structured. So those, those three sources of money all might have different like details uh, uh, tied to them, but you'll want to, you'll want to have a tab for each one of those. And then um, the next tab I wanted to talk about was your, so tap room sales. So this, this question 
I talk about it with, with my buddies all the time. It's, it's, you know, how do you guess this stuff early on? If you have a buddy who owns a brewery or um, if you make an appointment uh, with somebody who owns a brewery that you don't know, and one, instead of, instead of communicating or asking them, Hey, how much money do you make every month? You might go like a more polite or appropriate way to be, be like, what's your average ring? And so <clears throat> Carrie initially had some recommendations for average ring with food and average ring without food. And it was about 18 without food and 24. And even locally here in California, it's, it's, it's higher than 24 if there's, if there's food. So you might be able to get that information from some friends or some um, acquaintances in the industry, or you could use these numbers, 18 and 24. And depending on your program, you know, 18, 18 bucks is two beers and a taster or a growler or crowler or something, you know, so you're right. You, you get to 18 bucks pretty quick, you know, at $7 a pint here in Southern California. And if you get into some barrel aged sour stuff or whatever, I mean, forget it. I don't know how much money you're spending at the brewery, but those are some numbers to take on average. And then you take that average number and you go, well, how many hours am I open? And you can kind of use um, a chart that has, you know, each hour that you're open, how many people you think are going to come in and then multiply that times your, um, average ring and that'll give you a number. And so on Monday, you know, or if you're open, you know, Monday, it'll go, okay, you're going to make X number of dollars on Monday. And then you add that up, you know, and you get your monthly and then your annual sales. Now that doesn't tell you what you're selling beer, merch. I don't know advice. I, I don't know whatever you're selling, but it gives you a number and that number is super helpful you know, as you kind of, you know, pull the information out of it and, and define it later. But that's how we kind of came up with our tap room sales. We just established an average ring and that was a, a little bit of industry averages plus some local influence. And then we said, Hey, we're going to be open this many hours a day, this many days a week. It's pretty, it was simple. Yeah. It's designed to be that way. Cause you know, part of it is you, you like we talked about earlier, you just don't know. I mean, so this is a model that you can use to try to stress test those thoughts. And I, and I love where you were going with, if you talk to other breweries in your area that are willing to share a lot of information and you can even go back to like the first time you said, like, how many people come through like on a weekly, monthly basis? Like how many, how many customers are like, Oh, you know, a thousand a month is pretty average. Oh, okay. A couple of weeks later, Hey, what's your average ring? You know? Oh, we, we know about 30 bucks per. I'm like, oh, okay. So now you know what their revenue is. It's 30 times a thousand a month. That's 30,000 a month, 360,000. And that doesn't mean that's what you're going to see, but you can, we call this a sniff test because you don't want to go out and build a pro forma that says, oh yeah, I'm going to do 5 million bucks out of my, out of my tap room. Cause I pretty sure people will love my beer. But if you look and you say, well, around my area, you know, I've got breweries that are doing one to 3000 people per month an average rings between say 20 and, and 30 bucks per person. So you can kind of bookend it that way. And then you can say, well, we're going to offer food. Most of those don't, well, we're going to offer this. And most of those don't, however you're going to think about it, but yeah, and you customize it from there for sure. Exactly. But those are the metrics, you know, we, we really try to, as much as business can get complicated, we really try to find the areas where we can simplify. And if we just simply focus on the number of customers and the average ring, for customer, that's going to give you a nice quick way to 
to do some projections on what your sales are going to look like. And I will say that uh, in our in our um, in our pro forma, that number at the bottom of the the sum of the that number at the bottom is attached to other spreadsheets. And so what we were able to do, and this isn't for sure, this spreadsheet can be uh, dangerous. You, you can, you're not, you could be the most popular brewery like ever on this spreadsheet and that's bad. So this is an area where you can definitely be conservative and, and uh, under, understand that, you know, if you had 20 more people on Tuesday, um, well, you better be running a promo or, you know, there better be a reason those 20, those 20 more people come in on Tuesday. You can't um, just make, you know, you can't fudge that number to make it work, you know, on an, on another sheet. So, you know, be conservative. And if, you know, if you're, if you're, if you have reason for these numbers to go up or down, just, yeah, like exactly that, like just have a reason. Yeah. I like the, the phrase, uh, realistic optimism, right? Cause you want to be excited and passionate about it, but you also want to temper it with a bit of reality. So it's, but you're right. I think if, if you take that approach, you're not only doing a service to yourself as a business owner, cause who, who you, who you're really kidding. I mean, anybody can make a spreadsheet that looks amazing, but, um, so it's, that's first and foremost. And then if you're working with a bank, we talk about credibility a lot, right? That's one of the five C's of banking is, you know, is credibility. And that's a big, um, that's a big thing for the bank. If you give them a pro forma and then you just absolutely nosedive, they're probably not going to lend you money again. They're not going to be real thrilled with you as a client. Um, but if you're conservative and you, and you explain, you know, these are, this is how we came up with these numbers. Uh, that that's going to help build that partnership because you're, you're likely going to want to go back to them again if you need to expand in the future. Um, so, yeah, I think that realistic optimism, conservative approach is the right way to go. So we we were, uh, what is it, conservatively optimistic? or what? Realistic optimism. Realistic optimism. Yeah, okay. So that's, we did that. Yeah. And um, some of the things that can, you know, play into that, well, you know, like how optimistic can you be? you know, it might be, it might be your, your location might drive you like, say you pick um, wherever your location is and you go next, maybe you go next door to a, like a similar type business, like a retail food. Maybe there's another, maybe there's a bar or, you know, hopefully it's not another brewery right next door, but you can kind of go over and that's what I did. I went around to like, like businesses in my town. And I said, Hey, how many, how many people a day come in here? I took that number. And that number I felt like, that was a, a, t- a town specific number. And then I would talk to other breweries cause we don't have one in our town. Hey, how many, how many folks a day, like come in here. And then you can kind of merge these things together. Like, you know, if that, if that number is bigger or smaller than your town, maybe the, maybe the number, you know, varies a little bit based on um, how you think your, your business is going to, um, you know, be taken in, you know, by the locals basically. So I got, I got that number, uh, my, my monthly number, and then I brought it over into a sales, a sales plan for the tap room. And I took that number and I said, okay, well, let's just, let's just for simple math, let's just say 20 bucks is our average ring. So I, I said, okay, out of that 20 bucks, 10 of it's going to be a pizza and 10 of it's going to be beer or, you know, like just 
for simplicity's sake, that's just cut it down the middle. If you have food, if you don't have food, this, this is even simpler. And then I, so I divide that number by half and go, okay, 50% of the sales, you know, um, is going to be food and 50% is going to be beer. And then those two products probably have another typical margin. If you know the cost of goods for them, you, you, and you know what you're, what you're selling, what you're going to be selling them for, then you got your, your margin. And so you can take that, those two pieces, um, and the percentage profit that you're going to have from those numbers and you kind of extrapolate out how much money is going to be left over after you've paid, paid for most things. And, you know, that bottom, that bottom number, which is, you know, gross profit. You got anything to add on to that? Like how further you would take? I think, you know, what you just said, I would just come back and I think underscore a few points. Number one, what you did going around and asking um, to many people would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But most people won't take the effort to do that. You know, I actually teach a course at a, at a college on really beer business. And uh, that's one of the exercises I ask people to do. And I would say half the time they come back and say, well, nobody really wanted to talk to me. I'm like, well, how many did you, well, two, like, well, it, how bad do you want it? I mean, cause you, you know, I think what you're demonstrating is, you know, you want to have a plan, you want to have good tools, but you also have to do, yeah, gotta hustle, man. And you're hustling. So I would number one, just say good on you for doing that. Cause that's no small thing. So the hustle is important. Um, asking those questions, um, pulling all that information together. For sure. And then I think once you have those metrics, those give you ways to sort of benchmark and improve, right? So you can talk about, well, if it's the number of customers and it's the average ring, what can I do to, those are drivers of revenue. What can I do to increase one or both of those? And then to your point of the margins, again, spot on, you have to make some assumptions in terms of if they're going to be spending 20 bucks, what is the split? All right, let's do 10 and 10. And what are the margins for, on pizza versus beer? Pizza, probably They're not different. as good as beer. <laughs> They're different. <laughs> so We'd love just... for 18 of those dollars to be beer and two of them for pizza. There you go. Exactly. So that that's exactly um, how you want to look at that. And then you can layer in. So, so that's nice and clean. One side's beer, one side's, you know, then it might be, well, we're going to do events. Oh, that's got a different profit margin. And then we've got some merch. Well, that's got a different profit margin. So you start making uh, different assumptions on your on what revenue you're going to see and then what margins you're going to see on each category. And then once you add all this, spreads, the model is going to do it for you is tell you, okay, well, here's a blended margin that I should expect. So for that 20 bucks that comes in, based on my assumptions, I, I should see this type of margin um, on those sales. Exactly. So, so this is all important for your tap room. And then the next, uh, if you, if you're in, if you're going to be distributing your beer, the next thing, the next spreadsheet that's going to look just like this, except for the margins going to be different, is going to be wholesale. And so um, you don't have an average ring with this figure. Um, a lot of this, uh, like back to hustle, like if, I don't know yet, but from what I've heard is. The, this is going to be just the more you're able to hustle, the, the harder that you um, are pushing your brand on social media or getting out there or doing festivals or making yourself known and kind of driving a demand 
for your brewery locally. Um, and, you know, being a nice person and being a value added member of society, like this is this, these things are going to drive hopefully or pay hopefully on the wholesale end of things. And um, we have a really modest goal for the first year. Cause we're, we're kind of understanding, Hey, we want to get our feet under us. We want to understand how things work here in the tap room. We want to make sure we pay all of our bills on time, like get the basics down and then year two, start pushing the wholesale uh, side of things. So for us, we kind of just pick some, you, you can find what other breweries are doing annually uh, barrelage wise, but that doesn't, that does, that number does not break down. Uh, I don't believe wholesale or retail. It's just a barrelage number. What they so you go, yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just production. So what I did was I, I took some like size, like other breweries in the area that had the same size brew house. It was like, okay, well, I don't know. They've, it can't be too much different if we have the same size brew house. Now, maybe the, for, there are ways that it can be different, but I looked at their hours of operation. I looked at the brew house and I said, okay, well, these guys, they kind of look like, I hope to look like them, you know, like annually. And so I just, I, I was conservative. I said, oh, maybe 25 to 30% of that is wholesale. And I, I know that these breweries that I'm talking about specifically are not um, in local supermarkets. They're not really in bottle shops. So 25% of it is probably going to their wholesale game. And that was kind of how we got our first year's uh, goal was, was that way. And then uh, for us, we wanted to, you know, scale it every year. So we want it, we want it to go up every year um, as much as possible. And sometimes you can get reports like back a couple of years and see how these people have been progressing. And they make these, when they make these huge barrelage jumps, the tap room did not quadruple in size. That's not where, that's not where it came from. You got anything to add on that, Carrie? Like, well, that's, no, that's true. I mean, I think mo- most of the time when you see that, it's they're expanding markets. They're going into new states, um, things of that nature. They've signed on new wholesalers. Yeah, I think the whole, so the, once you leave your tap room, there's lots of things to, to think about. And frankly, that requires an even more robust pro forma. And I, I recommend creating a, um, you, you can integrate it into your business pro forma, but you, we want to think about um, them as kind of different lines of business, right? So there's two ways to get your beer to market, right? You can self-distribute, essentially sell it, deliver it yourself. Uh, that has its own cost structure, margin structure, and so forth. Or you just partner with a wholesaler, um, essentially sign a contract. You sell them the beer, they, they go out and they get it out at retail. So there's lots and lots of details on each of those in the, in the, um, the margin structure is very different. So w- what I recommend is looking at a... Um, kind of looking at the pricing grid, right? And saying, well, if I were to partner with a wholesaler, what are the packages that I'm going to sell? Okay, I'm going to do half barrels. I'm going to do, uh, you know, 16 ounce cans. I'm going to do cases of those. Those are, those are my two packages. And it's going to be on these styles of beer. This one and this one. I've got a flagship and I got a, some seasonals. And then I want to run that through a quick model. So I want to know what are my costs on these packages? I, I got to know that. That's really the one takeaway from this is you've got to know your costs. Otherwise you may 
get your lunch eaten, right? Because you're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna price it to the wholesaler, and you need to know what are you gonna make as a brewery. That's a number one. There's constraints because the wholesaler is not going to pay necessarily four hundred dollars for a half barrel of beer, right? They're probably like, well, the comparable breweries, I'm gonna I pay you two and two and a quarter for that thing or one seventy, whatever it is. So you're gonna have those constraints, but when you layer it in and you say, these are the packages I want to sell. These are what I my costs are. I've nailed it. This is the pricing. This is kind of where I need to be if I'm going to sell to that wholesaler. Um, so that's a really important exercise to run through just to make sure you're going to hit the margins you need to hit. And you can get you can get price sheets like on the internet. You can find um, what lo- what local breweries are selling their half barrels for, or you could. Like maybe, maybe, you know, somebody at a, that works at, you know, a restaurant and then they are aware of how much they're buying them for. And you're just like, okay, well, yeah, 180 or 150 to 225 is the range. Um, man, what are the guys doing for 225 is like, is there gold flakes in it? Like what, what is it? What kind of beer is it? Is it being pushed by a popular brewery? You know, what's commanding the price and not like right back to hustle, like, you know, you, you doing all this hard work for you or for the, you know, the health of the, of the business and, you know, maybe 10 or $15 times a, you know, a couple thousand units annually, like that's a different number. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, that's right. And I, I think the hustle comes into play. This is data gathering. This is market research. And this is also getting in line with what the going rate is. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend that talk. I think feed on the street is the best way to go is if you've got a contact at a restaurant, they'll share that information. This is not proprietary. I mean, no, it's not readily shared. Um, like it's not like going on, uh, oh, I don't know, Kelly Blue Book and finding out what you're, you know, it's, it's harder, right? And some of it's local and some of it's this brewery and that wholesaler and, and pricing gets weird. But again, you're not trying to nail down exact precision on all this stuff. You're just trying to get a range of prices and you're trying to get an understanding as to, well, if I, if I make this keg of beer, what is the likely pricing? And, and as important, what exactly does it cost? Because that, that really is the point that I see breweries miss on most often is they don't really know what it costs. I mean, they know, but they don't really know. They haven't gone to the level of detail to say this keg costs this much. Uh, they might say, well, I mean, we're pricing it at 200 bucks a barrel. We got to be making money. Like, well, you, you probably are, but if that barrel takes this much cost and this barrel is, is it, you know, you just don't want to, you want to know what your margins are. And we call it on a SKU level, SKU, each different package type so that you're, you know, just knowledgeable about what that's going to do to your, your overall financial statements ultimately. So a, a SKU is a stock keeping unit right. and that's like a, a six pack, a 12 pack, 24 pack, a, a, a keg, right? Those, each of them are different SKUs and they're, they have different pricing structures. Yeah. And it's going to, this, it can be used in different contexts. So for example, as a brewery, a SKU for you might be a case of 16 ounce can, this flavor IPA. So every single brand and packaging configuration that you have as a brewery could be thought of as a SKU. You can call it like an item number or whatever, but um, yes, when you get to the retail level, it'll be sold in all sorts of, you know, you can have the big 24 ounce can 
Well, that's a few. I'm selling one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be the six pack or whatever configuration. Um, so it's really just a way to uniquely identify that thing that you're selling. Great. So we've kind of gone through some key terms. We've gone through um, things like easier places to get started. We've gone through some sales, uh, in-house, tap room, and wholesale. And um, the last kind of section that I wanted to slide into really quick was operating expenses plan. And I'll kind of just, I'm going to just read down the list here because we could, we could debate all these things um, to eternity, but this is what we have. And this is what we're counting on to be um, accurate, but we have payroll at the top. That's going to be a big number. So, you know, are you behind the bar? Are you paying people to be behind the bar? Um, you know, what's your, what's your um, minimum wage? You need to know, figure out all these things. So payroll, payroll tax, got health and benefits. And, and then you're probably, you may work with some payroll processing um, company that will cost a certain amount of money per month. And these, these people will cut each individual paychecks with all the, um, all the stuff taken out of it. So they'll kind of do that, do that work for you. That, that might be a fee under, we have it under payroll. And then we have occupancy and equipment costs. So this, this group here is our lease expense, utilities, so electric, water, sewer, gas, trash. We have insurance, supplies in the kitchen, supplies in the bar. We have a, a line item for equipment repairs. We're just counting on stuff breaking. Um, cleaning linens and uniform, taproom entertainment. This, this is fully optional line, but we have it in there as um, – we're, we, it's something that we want to do. So we have it as a line item, Inter, internet and phone. And then we have uh, general administrative stuff. We have marketing, um, professional fees. These might be like consultants like Carrie or anybody else that you you're going to utilize uh, might be a market, uh, could be a marketing or branding person, licensing permits and music, office supplies, contributions. That would be like if you donated a keg, to a fundraiser or anything that you're going to be contributing money to like, you know, for case monthly. And then it goes down into taxes, interest and depreciation as it applies to you. And then we have uh, debt service. So back when we talked about amortizing that loan, that number you can draw, you can bring over here. And then this is going to add up to a nasty, nasty number that <laughs> that's where the rest of this, the rest of this um, pro forma has to prove that you can do this, you know, figure this number out. And then um, to add to, to, add to uh, each of the sections that we talked about, we built it out, uh, or you're going to want to build it out to three to five years. We built it out to five years uh, with growth. And, um, you know, as you grow, you're going to be adding onto these operating costs. Maybe you pick up another location more employees, maybe now you have a packaging team or a sales team. And so the, you know, as this thing morphs and grows, it's going to cost more money. And the idea is you make or earn more money than it costs every year. Anything, anything on top of that? That's the goal. Yeah. I think the operating expense can be painful in the sense that you're like, oh, this is all the money I'm going to have to spend, you know, but it's a, it's, it's part of that planning process where you're really going through the exercise of saying what all is involved in running this business. And it's, so it's a good brainstorming process. 
uh, there's lots of templates that you can follow this because a lot of people will be like, well, I mean, yeah, I know I'm going to have payroll, I'm going to have lease, probably have insurance, supplies, what, but what else? So if you've got this list of saying, well, here's 75 things that most breweries are spending money on, you better go through that list, make sure you've got them accounted for like, oh yeah, no, I forgot about that. Tap for music, I'm going to pay for that. One of the things that we recommend too is having what we call supporting schedules. So if you've got your operating expenses and you want to have a nice summary of, so you'll just have maybe like payroll, right? Or you'll have production payroll, maybe like admin payroll, taproom payroll. Um, to have a separate schedule where you can really list out all the folks that are going to make up that number. So taproom staff, maybe you're going to have, you're going to have a head brewer, you're going to have a seller person, you're going to have maybe a general manager, et cetera, et cetera. And really listing that out and understanding, all right, who are you going to need? What are their roles and responsibilities? What are you going to pay them? And that's just going to help really support that line item number like well how did you get to this well here's how i got to it these are all the people here's what we're going to pay and you can do that for other line items but certainly payroll is one in that example to just try to try to build up the numbers on your operating plan the, the last thing i'll say about it is as painful as it is it's usually the area that people know the most about in other words like well i know i'm going to hire a brewer and i know this is what i'm going to pay <laughs> so you can at least take some some comfort in the fact that there's a little bit of certainty around that part of your plan and then you can kind of use that to work backwards to what you've said earlier which is you know i need this to work i need to make money right i have to have a profit so if i start with the operating expense plan and it says well you know you're going to incur $25,000 a month then you're going to want to make sure your margins on your sales are in excess of. So it's, it can be used in that way too. Yes. And um, just a little bit on the operating expenses, or excuse me, the payroll component, as uh, Carrie was saying, they're, the Brewers Association also has a good tool um, where, where they kind of, you know, it'll say taproom manager and it'll give you an average salary um, or hourly rate. Um, on, on various positions, like really all the way down to like, um, people like running a canning line, they have, um, a pretty extensive list of brewery positions and some costs that, um, may be applied to them. And it may not work everywhere. If you're, if your, um, minimum wage is high, like in California, it may, it may not apply, but it's a good place to, it's a good reference place to start to find the, to find that information out. Yeah. It, it really is. And, you know, you're right. And a lot of this is your, you may have people that you've already offered positions to, and, and you got a good sense and others, you're still trying to fill the role. Um, but yeah, it's very market specific in terms of what those wages might look like. But the, the BA guidance is helpful for sort of defining the universe of what you might need and kind of a range of what other people are paying. So definitely good to look at that. All right. So now you got your pro forma all wrapped up. You're super amped. It's like, who wants to see this thing? So for us, um, you know, for sure we were the, we wanted to see it, right. I, we, we wanted to see it work. We wanted to see that it was realistic or obtainable. Um, but then the next person that, uh, wanted to see it for us was the bank. And we, uh, we had to, we had to hand over our packet to the bank they had some questions and, you know, the, the financial charts, oh man, I'm going to have to remember these, but the, ba the balance sheet, the, the income sheet and the statement of cash flow are your, are your financial sheets. I don't, 
um, some of them are easier to understand than others. And you may need, um, you may need a CPA or somebody to help you develop it or help you uh, understand or read it. But the bank wants to see these statements and it's a, it's an overview of all of these spreadsheets in th basically three spreadsheets, right, Carrie? Yep, you'll typically have your income statement, which is what we've talked through here. I mean, income statement, profit and loss means the same thing. You'll have a balance sheet, projected balance sheet, and then you'll have your statement of cash flows. So the income statement is gonna have your sales, cost of goods, margins, operating expenses, and your net income or your profit. Your balance sheet is gonna list out your assets and liabilities and the equity. And the equity is really just the difference between your assets and liabilities. So if assets are bigger than liabilities, you've got equity. And if the opposite is true, you have a deficit. And the cash flow statement, because again, at this stage, we just have project, we're just projecting an income statement, we're projecting a balance sheet. The cash flow statement is really just going to draw information from those two statements, income statement and balance sheet, and turn it into a cash flow statement to say like, all right, well, you, you know, the income statement said you has had sales, but your balance sheet says you've got uncollected sales, accounts receivables. So we need to make a little bit of an adjustment there and show what the actual cash flow from that item is. So it's really just math. It's just a formula. But yes, I think that's where it gets a little complicated. Um, and having a CPA or someone kind of eyeball that for you, help you help you walk through it is useful because I mean, you start, you're trying to start a brewery. You're not trying to try to become an accountant, right? You just need tools right. to get what you, where you need to get to. Um, but yeah, those are the big three income statement, balance sheet statement of cash flows. So the bank will want to, the bank will want to see all this information. And then for us, uh, we were seeking out some investors in the beginning um, to kind of raise capital for our project. And we, we kind of knew uh, back to sources and uses we cut or, or um, knowns, we kind of knew what this probably was going to cost. And um, we knew that the bank was going to be requesting around 20%. We needed to have 20% of that overall figure. So we, we needed to raise, so we needed to raise capital. And one of the ways um, that we were able to do that with investors was to show them this plan. And they were kind of able to easily pull out, okay, well, you know, in, in our case, when will we see returns? When will we see our investment back? And when, you know, when will it be kind of free and clear and uh, all, uh, you know, extra, extra for them. And th this is a good way to kind of be able to prove, prove that to people and um, give them some confidence that they're buying into something that um, is conservative. Um, it's in a timeline that's reasonable for them and um, it's not, they're not doing it like with their eyes closed. You know, there's, there's a, a plan in place and they can, ex they can expect us to deliver or do our best to deliver this plan. And if it's better, if it's better than the plan ends up, you know, producing or growing, um, you know, quicker than anticipated, great. And if it goes the other way, well, um, start asking for help early and often. That's what I always say. Like, don't wait, don't wait till the last minute to put your hand up and say that you have a problem. So other, other than that, Carrie, like who, who else might want to get their hands on this? Yeah, I think what I like to, 
recommend is that you first and foremost, you want to do this plan for yourself as a business owner, as a brewery operator, because you're going to put in a lot of time and effort. And sure, the end goal is I want a bank to, to finance my project and I want investors to believe in it and invest in it. Of course, you can't get started without the money. But the bottom line is you really want a financial game plan that you can use as a business operator. So if you've, you've done all this work, you've learned about how to project sales and how to cost out your products and what margin means, and you've built out this operating list. Once you're up and running, now, quote unquote, the real work begins is you're going to actually hire people. You're, you're actually cutting checks. You know, you're actually having people come in and give you money. So it's incumbent upon you to use the plan as really a place to say, what did we think was going to happen here? Because this is what we told the bank, right? right. And what is actually happening? And then I'm going to, then I'm going to compare these two. So I've got my, my financial plan for the, and I've got my actual results and I'm going to have a variance, a good variance or a bad one. And I want to keep people informed, right? First and foremost, my ownership group uh, and second and, and not a distant second, but right behind them is the bank. Because um, to your point of if you work with your banking partner and you keep them informed uh, and you, I don't know, feed them beers, it helps to develop that relationship. So if st- see, they don't they don't benefit if you, if you start having trouble, they want to help you out. Um, so how do you help them help you is, is to communicate and communicate the numbers. So there are times where you can say, hey, come on in. I just want to go through this with you. I think a lot of people are worried about that because they're like, Oh, but it doesn't look good. You know, they're going to, they're going to clamp down. Hey, you know what? They're going to clamp down on you anyway, if you can't pay them work. So you might as well include them early and often. And Hey, the opposite is true too. We said we were going to do X. We're actually doing three X. We're growing like crazy. I think we're going to need to borrow more money in six months to add on. They love that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so, get the capital expenses in here and let's get some more fermenters and yeah, let's e- expand this thing. That's how they make money is they lend you money and they get the interest on it. So they, they want to hear about those things. Um, so yeah, for sure. Investors, bankers, uh, but don't forget yourself, business owner, operator. This is a plan uh, that you can use uh, to really track your progress. How, what do we think we're going to do? How are we doing? Uh, and let's keep a close eye on that. Cause otherwise you just, you know, you're just winging it, right? You just, man, well, a lot of people are coming in cat in the bank, the yeah, bank account looks good. Right? It's got to be good. Um, So you do need these tools. You really do need all three of them, income statement, balance sheet, and cash flows on a regular basis to see how how your brewery is performing. And I'm going to, I'm going to pick, I'm not going to, I'm going to piggyback on to Carrie. Um, Carrie did a a talk at the craft brewers conference on uh, open book management. And the, you know, this might be another group of people who are interested in how we're doing, or, you know, they, it may be as a leader inside your organization, you know, you're, you're setting goals or you're, um, or yeah, setting goals for your teams and um, letting them know when they achieve it and incentivize it. And, you know, they're, they're all the, everybody on the team is contributing to these numbers or can influence them in some way. And um, yeah, like, you know, for us here at Red Engine, like that's something we want to employ is that kind of open book uh, management. And if people know that they're doing a great job, I think, you know, that they'll be able to get, or hopefully like 
there's, that's a way to, for them to negotiate or get a raise. And, you know, if everyone's doing a great job, job and sales are, you know, on point or above, you know, that's a, that's a great, um, negotiating point for like, you know, a, a raise in salary. And so I think it's, it's great for everyone to be able to know where we're at, what the vital signs are of the business and, um, how we can achieve with what new tools or techniques can we get to that next level. So from, from, uh, from here, the last, the last place, um, the last thing I want to talk about is if you're in this development stage, where, where can you look for help? For me, um, I kind of mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, uh, I read, I read the finance book and some information online. I eventually found Carrie who ended up being, uh, instrumental in our, our development and, um, the craft brewing financial training.com membership. But if you're not doing that, um, which I highly recommend, but if you're not doing that, like what, where other, what other places can you look for help? There's one, well, I'll give you a couple. I mean, I think for starters, if you go to my website, there's lots of free tools. Um, so you can just kind of navigate and go and search on there. Uh, so that might be the, the easiest, quickest, because what the information, I, as I learn things, I'll put new things up there. So I would say that that might be a good starting point for the, for the free tools. I also have the uh, weekly financial newsletter that people can get for free. Uh, so you can sign up for that on the site as well. There is a new resource out there that I just learned about recently. It's called um, startabrewery.com. I don't oh. know if you've heard of this, but uh, yeah. definitely, definitely worth checking out. Startabrewery.com. Um, and it was formed by two people that have been in the industry a long time. And they tend, here's what happens. They tend to get the same questions over and over again from people. And they just thought, man, I'm answering the same questions dozens and hundreds of times. Why don't I just aggregate what I know question and answer, and then put it on a site and then just make it accessible to people. Uh, so That's I would smart. recommend folks, folks check that out, startabrewery.com. And it does it in different sections where, you know, which phase are you in, you know, the planning phase, you, are you actually, cause they have like dreamers, right? Oh, I'm dreaming about, but you haven't really actually done much other than talk with your buddies about it. And then there's planning. Well, I've actually got put pen to pencil and I've got numbers and I'm starting to talk to uh, investors and then, and then so forth. So it, it organizes the information uh, nicely. So yeah, I would say check out um, craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. Check out startabrewery.com. Uh, the book that you referenced from the BA is a good one. Um, I believe it's called Small Brewery Finance, if I'm not mistaken. You can get that. Yes. On the, I think it's on Amazon too. You could probably get it through there. Um, so those are interesting. Um, so yeah, those are some starting points. Yeah. And then just like, you know, the internet in general is, is your oyster. There's good information and um, bad information on there, but I encourage you just to, you know, seek out these people and do your, do your own research and get in touch with them. And if, if you feel like, you know, they're a good fit for your project, then, you know, get it on and start, start figuring this thing out. It's a monster. So, um, you know, ask for help. And then I would Definitely like every brewery that's opened has gone through this process and some, some of them more extensive than others. And there, you know, these brewery owners, if, if you have um, access to them, they're, they're a good resource too. You know, they'll, they'll definitely give you good information. I think the industry as a whole is pretty open. Um, that's been my experience. As long as you're polite, you know, bring a gift when you show up, 
you know, like, um, be a gentleman, like you're going to get, you're going to get what you deserve, um, out of these conversations. And, um, so that's, that's kind of what, what I did. And I was able to get quite a bit of information out of people locally. And this was just the beginning of our relationship, you know, me and these other individuals. And, you know, now I've kind of grown and I'm almost there and we're still in touch and, and talking about festivals together and things. So like, you know, this could be the beginning of a long relationship. So started, started off, right. Be respectful and, and, and get out there and ask, like, I think that's, that's critical in the, in the development process. You have to ask for help. Yeah, no doubt. Got to have, got to have the numbers. You got to have the hustle. You put them together. You're unstoppable. I love it. All right. Well, that's going to conclude our um, episode three here with Carrie Shumway um, going over financial planning, um, some key things, where to get started, who wants to see it and all the details in between. Uh, thanks guys for making it this far. Um, we'll see you next in two weeks. Our next episode is going to be with Scott Berkner. He's a lender at uh, Dogwood Bank in South Carolina and, and specifically um, an SBA um, loan officer. So we'll get some more details on financing now that we got the business plan, financial plan, and now we'll be heading towards financing. So thanks so much. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.